We may still be in the 2023 offseason, but what challenges do the Buffalo Bills face next offseason? We're taking an early look today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Lockdown Bills. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Bills your first listen every day, and of course, a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are, those of you who never miss a single episode. I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. Well, folks, we're going to talk about the 2024 offseason on today's podcast. And maybe you think that's crazy. I don't. This is stuff that Brandon Bean is thinking about right now. And so let's also think about it right now and be aware of some of these big decisions that are coming up within the next year. And I like to do this during the current offseason after the draft because it feels real, right? We've seen the team very recently navigate its own set of circumstances for the 2023 offseason. And with that fresh on our minds, I want to consider what's ahead next offseason. And what this also helps us understand, or at least helps me understand, is what type of urgency does this team have to have right now based on the challenges that are coming? Do the Bills have to get it done this year or else their window has expired, or is there a reasonable chance that next year the team can once again be primed for a Super Bowl run? And I think we'll have some pretty good understanding of that by the end of this conversation. So let's look at this through the lens of cap space, draft capital, expiring contracts, the fifth-year option, cut candidates, restructure candidates, all this stuff. There's a lot for us to consider here today on this podcast as we take this early look to the 2024 offseason. But let's start with cap space, right? That's where you got to start the conversation when it comes to the offseason. Where are the bills when it comes to the salary cap? And right now, they're over by about $3 million. And that's pretty good compared to where they've been the last few years. They're only scheduled to be over by about $3 million. Now, look, all of this information is going to be fluid to an extent, right? There's things that can happen over the course of now and next offseason that's going to impact these numbers, but it gives us a nice ballpark range for us to consider. Now, that $3 million does assume a base salary cap of $256 million. So that's going to be a bump, right? We're expecting another bump in the cap. This year, it's $225 million, and so another healthy bump up to $256 million next season. And so you can thank the new TV deal and the Uh, Sunday ticket going to YouTube TV, all of that helps elevate the salary cap. Now, 
we have the bills at over by about 3 million at the end of the show. And in, in the third segment, we'll get into how they can create a bunch of cap space, but I want to bring up some of the relevant teams in the AFC and let you know where they are cap wise. And when I say relevant teams, I mean the AFC East, the chiefs and the Bengals. So when it comes to the AFC East, you've got a wide spectrum. You got the Patriots. Now the Patriots are loaded with cap space, $134 million at their disposal. Next off season, tons of cap space. The Dolphins are projected to be $14 million over the cap. The Jets are projected to be $41 million over the cap. Now, look, all of those teams are going to have their own set of circumstances to create cap space. All of that's going to exist. But right now, it's the Patriots with 134, the Bills with negative 3 million, the Dolphins with negative 14 million, and the Jets with negative 41 million. Now, how about the Chiefs and the Bengals? Well, the Chiefs are scheduled to have $72 million in cap space. That's not great, right? They're going to have a real chance to add to their roster. Now, I will say this. They've got some stuff coming up here. they got Chris Jones. His contract's got to be taken care of. Travis Kelsey's going to be coming up. There are already some reports about redoing Patrick Mahomes' deal, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, right? they got some players they got to deal with in terms of paying them, but that's a good spot to be, right? $72 million in cap space projected. How about the Bengals? $82 million in cap space. Now they have their own set of circumstances too. They got Joe Burrow. They got Jamar Chase, T Higgins, some big time salaries that they have to consider. In addition to only having 29 players right now under contract for 2024. And so that feels like a big number for Cincinnati, but you can see very quickly um, how they're going to need to utilize that to fill out their roster. So that's where the bills sit right now in terms of projected cap space over by about 3 million. Now let's get into the draft capital conversation. What do the Bills have entering right now, the 2024 NFL draft? And uh, they're looking pretty good. They got a fair amount of draft picks. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but part of the conversation today is I want to acknowledge what they have. And I want to tell you three things about what I think can happen with this draft capital. So right now they do have a first round pick, their own first round pick, their own second round pick, their own third round pick. They're scheduled to get a third-round compensatory pick for losing Tremaine Edmonds. That should be around pick 100, I would assume. They have their own fourth, their own fifth, their own sixth. A sixth-rounder from Houston, so you think that pick's probably going to be around 180, 185, somewhere in there. So a decent selection there when it comes to six-round picks. And then, of course, their own seventh-round pick right now. So nine picks. All of their own selections, plus a three, plus a six. Now, I bet you probably agree with this. I don't see the Bills drafting nine players next year. What do I see? I see three things. Number one, potentially adding more picks by trading players at the end of camp. We know that Brandon Bean is notorious for doing this. Every year, it seems like he's able to flip a player that he's going to cut for a draft pick. And I'm sure that opportunity will be available again this year. So maybe it'll go up a little bit. Now, even if it does go up, let's say they have 10 picks, 11 picks. I don't think they're going to pick 10 or 11 players. So this is where I think you'll see some of that go away. I think you can see some of this draft capital used for an in-season trade before the deadline. Now, hopefully there's no crazy injuries, but let's be real about it. It's the NFL. Players get injured all the time. The Bills could have an injury that provokes 
Brandon Bean to part with one of these picks, maybe a th- maybe one of these third round picks to go get a player um, at the deadline, whether it's to add to the team or to compensate for something that they lose potentially through an injury. And then, of course, the most likely path is that Brandon Bean uses this quote unquote extra draft capital to move up, right? Brandon Bean moves up in the draft. It is just what he does, right? Especially in the first round. He's done it four times now. Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Kyer Elam, and Dalton Kincaid. He stayed put and picked Ed Oliver at nine and Greg Rousseau at 30. That's it. And so if he does enter this draft, this coming draft in 2024 with an extra three, a couple extra day three picks, we can go ahead and start thinking about who he's going to move up for because that is what history tells us. He's even said it out loud. He says, look, I get antsy. I got to go up and get guys. And so I think we have to operate with the expectation that that's exactly what he's going to do, right? When somebody tells you who they are, believe them. Brandon Bean is a guy who trades up in the first round. And so I expect that to be the case in 2024, especially if he comes into the event with nine, 10 draft picks like he's currently scheduled to have. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But, you know, what's challenging is you can spend all your time giving it to other people and you can be really stretched thin and even get to a point where you're burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. All right, so in this segment, I want to talk about the expiring contracts that the Bills are facing, right? Guys that are in the last year of their deal that the Bills will have to make a decision on after the season if they don't, one, get extended between now and then, or uh, they don't make the team, right? So those are the factors that would uh, change this list of players that we're about to dig into. So let's look at it by positions. I think that's probably the best way to give us an understanding of uh, where the Bills might have some turnover in their roster next year. Now, before we get into this, guys, I'm looking forward to our programming the rest of the week, especially the everydayers. Come on back. We're going to have some conversations about this schedule that's going to come out uh, on Thursday night. So Thursday and Friday will be all about the schedule. Uh, Make sure that you come on back and, and don't miss that. So let's get into these expiring contracts. We'll start with offense. We'll start with quarterback. There's one expiring contract at quarterback, and it's Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen is scheduled to uh, be a free agent after this season. He's also scheduled to be Josh Allen's backup. Now, there's two trains of thought that I have here is number one. Well, the Bills are going to be right back into this, needing a backup quarterback uh, again, right? This has been a year-over-year thing where it's been Trubisky two years ago, it was Case Keenum last year, and now it's Kyle Allen. Now, there's also a chance that Kyle Allen just kind of settles in, right? And he is the Bills' backup quarterback, right? I think that's possible. He's tight with Josh Allen. 
He's not a player that's really going to be in big demand to go somewhere else. Now, maybe he'll get a big showcase opportunity with the Bills if Josh Allen gets hurt and he plays great and all of a sudden he's in demand and he's the next Matt Flynn, right? We've seen this kind of stuff happen. Uh, but I would say that's unlikely. And so either the Bills are going to have to continue this yearly exercise of finding a backup to Josh Allen, or maybe it's just going to be Kyle Allen. And so we'll see how that plays out. But right now he's only on a one-year deal. At running back, you got two players, Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. Uh, the Bills have James Cook and Naheem Hines signed beyond next season. But uh, Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, one-year players, right? And those are the bigger backs that can play downhill. They can pass block. They're veterans. And it's honestly the skill sets that are the easiest to find. And so whether the Bills bring them back or they get other versions of those players, um, that's what the Bills are facing at running back. At tight end, there is one expiring contract. It's Quentin Morris, and it's he's an exclusive rights-free agent. So very, very unlikely the Bills would lose out on bringing him back to the football team. So not a whole lot to be concerned about at tight end. It's the Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid show there, and it will be hopefully for a long time, and we love – uh, what that combination of players gives this team. At wide receiver, you got a couple of names here. The big one is Gabriel Davis, the other being Trent Sherfield. Uh, Gabe is a player that, just based on the messaging, the way that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean talk about this guy, I have a hard time believing that they're going to let him go. And I think he's trending towards kind of being a $12 million a year receiver. I think a deal comparable to what we saw Jacoby Myers get with the Raiders could be uh, something along the lines of what I'm expecting for Gabriel Davis. Now, obviously, this season will have a big impact on what that deal looks like. But if it goes the way I think it will, he you know winds up having uh, 60 catches or so, 700, 800 yards, six, seven, eight touchdowns. He'll be in line to get a deal around $12 million per season. And then Trent Sherfield is going to be interesting because I think he's going to bring some value to this team. He's going to block. He's going to play teams. He adds a little bit of size, high character guy. He's a, a worker. You know, I can see the team really liking him. And right now I think he's kind of the wide receiver five slash four. And I'm interested to see how this plays out. But um, Trent Sherfield, the opportunity here is going to be interesting, but uh, I can see him being a player the Bills really look at as a, a one of those glue guys uh, for the long term. On the offensive line, uh, three players here, David Questenbury, David Edwards, Ike Bucker, um, all three players that I think have a very good chance of making this roster. Um, you know, Questenbury looks like he's going to be the swing tackle again this year. David Edwards is a player that I think is a starting caliber guard in the NFL that the Bills are going to be very fortunate to have as a depth player. And then Ike Bucker, who's just always around, right? This guy keeps coming back. Um, even with the Achilles injury where the Bills knew he probably wasn't really going to be a factor last year, and they still re-signed him. And so uh, we'll see if the Bills ever move on from Mike Bucker, but those three expiring contracts when it comes to the offensive line. On the defense, at defensive end, you've got A.J. Epinesa and Shaq Lawson. Um, maybe you think no big deal there. Um, AJ Epinesa had six and a half sacks last year, and you can say whatever you want about AJ Epinesa. I know that he's not a beloved member of this football team, but if he has another six sacks, somebody's going to pay him some money. The NFL pays for sacks traditionally. And so if he goes out there and has, again, like another six sacks, someone's going to pay him like 
probably seven, eight million dollars a season, something like that. He'll get a few bucks out there. And then Shaq Lawson uh, on a one year deal. We'll see what happens there. At defensive tackle, all of them, right? We've 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 mentioned this quite a bit. All of them are expiring contracts. Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Puna Ford, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips. So they they add in Puna Ford, and it's yet another expiring contract. And, you know, I, I don't think they're all going to leave. I think the Bills will bring back some of them. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they sort that out. Ed Oliver, uh, I think if he has another season like he's had the last two, I think he'll be about a $12 million a year defensive tackle. And I don't know if the Bills are going to want to commit that to him. Um, you look at some of these other defensive tackle deals that have been going on. You've seen Jeffrey Simmons. What do you get? $23.5 million a season. Uh, Dexter Lawrence got... 22 and a half, something like that, a bunch of money. I'm sure Quinn and Williams, his contract's going to be massive, right? That's probably going to push for 25 million from the Jets. But N hasn't been as impactful as those players have been. And I think he's in that $12 million range as things currently stand. Uh, Daquan Jones would love him back, especially if he replicates uh, the 2022 performance this year. Puna Ford, I have really high expectations for him this year. I'm really excited to see him. I can see us really falling in love with him and wanting him to be around for a number of seasons. And then we'll see when it comes to Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips. At linebacker, Tyrell Dotson, Tyler Medikavich, A.J. Klein are all expiring contracts. We'll see if Tyler Medikavich and his special team's prowess gets him another deal with the team. At corner, Dane Jackson, Cam Lewis are both expiring contracts. And then at safety, Micah Hyde and Taylor Rapp, your expiring contract. So nothing too crazy here collectively i think your big name here is micah hyde um taylor rap could become important you look at the, all the defensive tackles right that's that's something to be mindful of gabe davis certainly pops but this isn't a, a, an overwhelming list if you remember last year at this time we were talking about tremaine edmonds uh dawson knox devin singletary uh jordan poyer right that list was was a little bit more daunting than this list um and so uh, I think the Bills are in pretty good shape when it comes to their expiring contracts, how they can manage that, um, even with the cap position that I talked about at the beginning of the con- of, of the show, because in the next segment, we are going to talk about extension candidates, cut candidates, restructure candidates, and I think you're going to feel really good about the opportunity that Brandon Bean has to um, create the cap space necessary to do even more next offseason than he did this offseason. So stick with me. Need a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, so let's close this thing out by looking at the fifth-year option decision that the Bills are facing, extension candidates, cut candidates, and restructure candidates. So the Bills didn't have to make a decision on a fifth-year option this year because the Bills did not have a first-round pick in the 2020 NFL draft because they traded it for Stefan Diggs, and that looks like a pretty good trade to me. But they're back in the fifth-year option conversation next cycle, and that decision will be on Gregory Russo. And so here's what they're facing. Right now, it's looking like it's going to be around $12 million to pick up the fifth-year option for Greg Russo. And that number is based on what this year's number was for defensive ends. Now, I expect that to go up a little bit. Maybe it's 13, maybe it's 14 million, but it'll be somewhere in that range. Again, there's ballparks here. 
If he makes the Pro Bowl, if he's an original ballot Pro Bowl selection, it's going to go up a lot. It's going to go up to $17.5 million at least because that's what it was for that criteria for this year's crop, right? All the guys that had to make a decision uh, earlier this month in May. So it's going to be on the low end around 12, on the high end around 18, but again, probably a little bit more. And so that's that's the decision the Bills will have to to make. If he's if he's continuing the trajectory that he's been on, I think this will be a very obvious decision to pick this up. He's a young player that's been a starter that um, looks like he can be a foundational piece of this roster. Obviously, we want to take another step, be even more impactful, all of that, right? But I think he's on a good trajectory right now. But that's the fifth-year option decision that Brandon Bean will have to make before uh, what somewhere in the early next May. All right, so let's get into these extension candidates, cut candidates, restructure candidates. So the extension candidates, and these are going to be players that are not expiring contracts, right? So they're not free agents, but they'll be free agents after 2024. And I honestly expect something to happen with both of these deals. Uh, I have two players here. One of them is Taron Johnson. A lot of flexibility for Brandon Bean next offseason when it comes to Taron Johnson's deal. Uh, So 2024 is the final year he's under contract. And right now in 2024, he's scheduled to have a $10.2 million cap hit. And so I think the Bills can extend Taron Johnson. He's would he be 28, I think, after the uh, the 2024 season. Sign him for two or three more seasons, kind of spread that money out a little bit. And so you do this thing where you uh, get more years of Taron Johnson, who's a critical piece of this defense, but also um, you save a little cap space. And so I think that's very much uh, something I expect to happen. The other one's Deion Dawkins, a very similar situation where 2024 is the last year of his deal. Uh, He's scheduled for a $15.3 million cap hit in 2024, and there's already two void years on his deal for 2025 and 2026. And so I can definitely see the Bills re-upping Deion Dawkins for another three, four years, something like that, um, to do what I just said with Taron Johnson. Save some cap space, but also you know, keep yourself tied to a core foundational piece of your roster. So your extension candidates that really pop for me are Taron Johnson and Deion Dawkins. And again, those are extension candidates that are not expiring contracts. Now let's get into some cut candidates here. And this is a little bit more of a robust list than this year, right? Like a couple of years ago, if you remember, I was like, yeah, there's some really obvious cut candidates. This past year, there really wasn't, right? There there wasn't a big a lot of, of guys that the Bills could really just cut and save some money. Next year, there's going to be those players. And we'll start with all the – we're going to get to all the reasonable possibilities. I'm not predicting all of this. I'm just sharing what Brandon Bean has in his back pocket. And the headliner here is Mitch Morse. The Bills can cut Mitch Morse after this season and free up $8.5 million. And that'll be something they have to consider. Now, they can consider that to the point where they extend him, right, and and get some benefit to uh, reducing his cap hit, adding an extra year, all that type of stuff. But – Obviously, there's some dynamics there that they need to consider. And so as you think about Osiris Torrance being here and you think about Ryan Bates and potentially being a center, like you can you can really kind of talk yourself into this possibility after the season. Uh, Saran Neal, the Bills can cut him and free up $2.8 million. Not predicting it, but it's something worth mentioning. Naheem Hines, the Bills can cut him and save $5.5 million. And it'll be very similar to this offseason where something is going to happen with his deal. He's either going to get extended or reworked, 
but he's not just going to play for five and a half million dollars. I, I don't think that'll be the case. And the Bills can just flat out cut him and free that up. Jordan Poyer. We talked about this, right? It's it's a two-year deal that can really be a one-year deal. And the Bills can move on from Jordan Poyer after this season for five and a half million dollars in cap savings. Deontay Hardy, the Bills can move on from him and free up four million dollars in cap space. And so maybe he comes in and he's awesome and you want to continue with him. Maybe he comes to Buffalo and the turf toe is something he never really recovers from and winds up being a dud of a free agent signing. That's totally possible. If that's the case, the Bills can very quickly get out of his deal and free up $4 million for the 2024 cap. The last player I'll mention here is Ryan Bates. The Bills can cut him and free up $3.1 million. Now, I don't expect the Bills to do that if Mitch Morse is cut as well. So just want to make sure you're aware of the uh, cut candidates that have some les- level of logic and some level of meaningful savings to consider. The last thing I'll mention here is the restructure candidates, and Brandon Bean has some nice levers he can pull here. Uh, Josh Allen, you can restructure him and free up $18 million, and that's the beauty of that long-term deal, right? A six-year extension gave the Bills a lot of flexibility. You saw him use it this year. I think they'll probably use it again next year. $18 million bucks freed up. Stefan Diggs, $14 million bucks freed up if you restructure him. Von Miller, $13 million freed up. Now, you got to get a little bit nervous about Von because he's aging, right? And you restructure, you push out money, you're kind of tying yourself to that player for longer. Um, But I think Von Miller is at least going to be on the team, of course, this year and next year. And then you kind of evaluate and see where it's at. But you can free up $13 million by restructuring Von Miller with a base contract restructure. Trey White, you can do it and get $5 million. Dawson Knox, $3.1 million. Connor McGovern, $3.1 million. So the bottom line here is the Bills are going to be in pretty decent shape next offseason, better shape than they were this year. They got more draft capital, more cap space, more opportunities to cut uh, to, to create cap space, and a less daunting list of free agents to deal with. And so I, I, I did all of this research. I had this conversation with you, and the central point that I think this got to was, yeah, the Bills – the Bills are looking like they're very much primed to stay the course here and be a Super Bowl contender for multiple seasons down the road. And so that was kind of my big takeaway in, in doing all of this research and having this conversation with you. Not that that doesn't mean that I don't want the Bills to go win the Super Bowl this year. I want them to win Super Bowl every year. This year, next year, the one after that. Like I want them to win the Super Bowl every single year. But I do feel really good after doing this about the long-term viability and sustainability of the path that they're on and their ability to field you know, even better rosters year over year like they have. I think the Bills have done a very good job year over year of, of, of actually improving the talent on the roster. And I don't think this offseason was any different. I don't think next offseason will be any different. So I feel good about that, especially having taken this deep dive. All right, folks, like I mentioned We're going to focus on the schedule the rest of this week. So tomorrow for the Thursday podcast, I want to talk about the biggest challenges for each opponent uh, in terms of that Bills lens. What's the biggest challenge for each opponent that the Bills will face in 2023? And then we get the schedule on Thursday night. It's scheduled to come out at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And so I'm going to uh, get that, of course. I'll analyze it, and then I'll record the podcast Thursday evening, and I will post it immediately for our Friday podcast. And so... If you've heard me break down a schedule before, you know exactly what to expect. 
If this is your first time, I am looking forward to discussing it with you. So come on back. Make sure you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a moment to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.